You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to Resonance. And this is Very Loose Women. This evening, we're going to be chatting about sex and more specifically, not coming. I don't know why I didn't call. And we're now going to play an illustrative clip of what we'll be talking about. I don't know, it was weird. And at first it felt icky, and then it was sort of okay. And then, then I started getting really hot, and then I started shaking. And then it, I don't know, it was weird. It just felt like an explosion. But a good one. Cecile, you had an orgasm. I did. You're becoming a woman. I'm so proud of you. So that's a famous clip from the incredibly problematic uh, teen movie Cruel Intentions, but I feel like it kind of leads us into our main topic, the supposedly elusive female orgasm. Mm. Um, And I think it's kind of interesting because in this clip, her first orgasm is portrayed as a bit of a rite of passage into womanhood. But tonight we'll kind of be looking at the reality of what happens when you can't or don't come from having sex. It refers to a very kind of explosive type Mm. of orgasm and maybe that not not all orgasms are equal. Or the same. But why are we doing this show? So I think that we've sort of touched on this top- topic before. We've done an or- orgasms episode already, which is available as a podcast mm. on acast.com forward slash various women. Um, but now we're kind of dedicating a whole episode to it as per a listener request. But there's some other reasons. Yeah. So I did the presenting on our orgasm show, having never had an orgasm myself. So I kind of did it as a sort of like, what's it like for you guys thing? But I didn't really want to come clean because I, I don't know, I felt ashamed or embarrassed about talking about that like on air. And I feel like <laughs> three years down the line, maybe it's time to bring this up, given we've explored virtually all areas of our lives, except for like this crucial one. And it's been really helpful because thanks to this show, I've like learned a lot of other people's experiences and had chats and really learned a lot about how other people experience sex. And actually, it's not too dissimilar to my experience. And also, I think um, with we've kind of been talking a lot about the kind of release of this so-called pink Viagra. And so that was also a bit of a spur for us to talk about this as well. So in a minute, we'll be joined by researcher and PhD student uh, Kate Gould, who is looking into what is medically termed female sexual dysfunction, which I think that term itself kind of needs some interrogation. Mm. But we're kind of looking. So she's kind of looking at women who don't want to have sex, don't come or find sex painful. Um, and she's kind of looking at, I guess, yeah, it's from a sociological point of view to find out about women's experiences and the way in which female sexual dysfunction is regarded and maybe what it says about how we as society view women's sexuality as a whole. So here's our interview with Kate Gould. Thanks for joining us, Kate. How did you find yourself researching this area then? Well, um, I find myself sort of reading more and more about this um, this pill, talk of this idea of like trying to find a pill that would make women boost their, their libido. And I was a bit bored in the work that I was doing. I'd kind of hankered after doing a PhD for, for some time. So I sort of pitched the idea to a university and they accepted me. Cool. So what kind of questions are you trying to answer with your research? Well, um, my PhD is quite specific because they, they sort of have to be. Um, so it's looking at the um, media coverage of the of the FDA approval of Lebanon, and it's looking mm-hmm. at the way that it sort of covered female sexuality. Um, but with that research and with the stuff that I'm doing for a book, it's more general. It's looking at um, the Pink Viagra and sort of 
asking questions like what does this say about the way in which we view female sexuality for example is like the main question so when we say pink viagra can we just kind of explain maybe to our listeners what that actually is and oh, it actually also is pink isn't it just it is pink yes okay. for the ladies women, so it has yeah. to be pink yeah um yes absolutely it's um well it's been dubbed the pink viagra although it works in a very different way um basically it's uh it's called phlebanserin or adi um and it's it's basically an, a failed antidepressant that's been bought by another company and repackaged as this um, pill for women that's going to make make sort of revive their flagging libidos and make them all want to have sex even though they haven't done for you know some of them for years. Um, and it was the Sprout Pharmaceuticals are the company that that's been producing it, and they did this whole campaign to sort of dress up as this feminist issue. They did this sort of like make a wish video thing where they had women saying, you know, I want somebody to listen to my desires. And they said, oh, men have got 23 drugs for them and we haven't got any. Whereas in actual fact, men don't have any drugs to make them want to have sex because we just assume that they want to do all the time. Anyway, we don't we don't think of men as having a problem with their sex drive. So what have you found from your PhD research then? There's an awful lot of medicalization of female sexuality, which it's, that's not something new. This has gone on for an awfully long time. It's um, this condition that's called female sexual dysfunction. It replaced um, hysteria, uh, which was women were diagnosed with hysteria for you know most random reasons, and it was given the most peculiar treatment. One of which was actually masturbation by the doctor, or or more often his his nurse. Um, uh, using a vibrator, in fact, that's what they sort of the drive to create vibrators was by doctors. Um, and uh, Rachel Maines has written a fantastic book uh, called The Technology of Orgasm, uh, all about that sort of thing. Um, so I found a, a lot of um, a lot of stuff about that and the fact that um, how much of a problem uh, women are made to feel that their sexuality is, unless it's uh, just sort of you know the, the stereotypical three times a week yes everything's perfectly fine if it's not that then you have some sort of problem and I find that that's an incredibly common view and it's one that's presented it's it's in the media um like in women's magazines but it's also possibly more worryingly in a way it's also in uh, a lot of medical texts as well that women if they don't feel like this um and they're not thoroughly satisfied with their sex lives then they have something wrong with them and this is where something like the pink Viagra comes in and that, we, oh, you must have something wrong with you, so therefore we can give you this pill to treat it. And you said earlier um, that it really helps when women come together and talk about it. And later on um, in the show, we're going to be talking about a group who've done just that. I wanted to ask, why do you think it's important? Why do you think talking helps? Well, I think it's good to know that, um, you know, other people are experiencing similar things because often... Like, the people that it's most difficult to talk to about these things are the people that we're sleeping with. You know, it's hard to... Sometimes it can be hard to admit that you've got a problem, a sexual problem, for example, um, and it can create sort of tensions in a relationship, whereas I think if you if you can relax with a group of friends or, like, have a glass of wine and sit and talk to people who have similar problems or are just open to talk about that sort of thing... I think realizing that you've got a space in which you can just chat um, can can help enormously. Realizing that you're not this sort of abnormal freak 
And just because you don't come every single time you have sex or don't always feel like having sex or sometimes it's painful or, you know, it doesn't look like it does in the movie. And why do you think um, it is so difficult to talk about generally with partners, but also uh, it doesn't come up so much in general conversation? I think maybe it's part of this idea that we have to be, you know, this pressure again on, on women that of having to be perfect. I don't know how often we really talk about our our problems like properly, particularly our sexual problems. We want, I think, we want to seem like we're doing absolutely fine all the time. Often, it's easier just to do the proverbial liar and think of England than to admit that something's really wrong in a relationship. It can be really difficult to talk to a partner about it because it can create a lot of insecurity in a partner if you say, "I I don't feel like having sex," or. I'm not enjoying sex. You know, you don't, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings, and inevitably, that is how it will be interpreted. It often is yeah. interpreted. Like a yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's hard to say, look, it really isn't you. It's me. Yeah. yeah. You know? No one ever believes that one. Yeah. So wh- where can we uh, read more about your work? Uh, well, I have a website. Um, it's just my my name. Well, it's um, Kate Dash Gould C O U L D dot co dot uk. Cool, thank you so much for joining oh, us. That's really, really yeah. great. Um, how, like, how did you learn? Like, how did you... Okay, so I guess my question is, when, up until the point where you first had an orgasm, what were you doing? And how did you know that that was your first orgasm? So I think that... Um, okay, so for me, the first time I had an orgasm, and I think for a lot of people this is the same, um, is through masturbation. And... I I really feel like I I wasn't that interested in, in anything about it until fairly late on in my kind of I don't know physical development I suppose um, and then when I tried to masturbate I had an orgasm I don't feel like there was like, a lot of like trying out that didn't work like I feel oh. like I knew what to do oh, like right. I just feel like I knew what kind of felt well I just tried, tried a few things I don't know I just tried and it happened but I think that yeah so the, and that for me was kind of just like uh, solely like clitoral stimulation and that's the kind of thing that works to like, give me an orgasm but I think that then when I started being in relationships with people mm. um, my first like sexual relationship it took a few months to then also have that same kind to of orgasm experience to learn how to experience. do that with someone else yeah and I think that there was a lot of reasons why it wasn't why I wasn't able to and I think that it was part of it was kind of an embarrassment factor mm. because I don't feel like physiologically things were necessarily that different what between um, men and women Oh, but like, you know, between maybe what he was doing to oh, me right. and what I was doing to myself. Like, yeah. I'm not sure that's even it. But I feel like there was a lot of points where it was building up, building up. And then I kind of got a bit too embarrassed. I feel like yeah. it was kind of embarrassment factor. Um, you know, this kind of like letting yourself go completely sort of thing is kind of, I guess, how I was viewing it. Mm. Or like, I don't know. And I, maybe definitely not consciously, but there was some subconscious level where I just couldn't get to that point with that's this person. That's interesting because one of the contributions that we had from Twitter, um, she's spoken about this with her friends and they sometimes advise her to let herself go. And I know I get that quite a lot as well. That um, I think that that experience obviously goes for some women and not others. Like, like yeah. maybe somewhere in, in my world inside, I'm not doing that. But I don't think I think there's something more physiological. Yeah, and me. I think I think that's also a really important point to make. And you know, from the contributions we've had, which we're going to read out some of uh, later, bit later. And from just discussing it with friends, everyone has a very different approach to how they have an orgasm or what they do to produce that orgasm or maybe what they've tried and what doesn't work. Mm. And I definitely wouldn't feel, you know, like that I could give loads of advice to someone else about how to have an orgasm unless I was specifically asked, 
what do you do? And I would say, but yeah. you know. Yeah, and I am like, when the first time I masturbated, I remember very explicitly asking Catherine, who does the show with us, um, like, what do I do? Because like, it hadn't, I mm. didn't, I didn't have that. It, you kind of said that it was very um, intuitive. And I guess I didn't have that so much. Just it's it was interesting to hear other, like how other people went about it and what their what their course was. But what's been really affirming for me in the past like week in speaking about this with people to prepare the show was like, yeah, there are just so many people who've gotten in touch and who have this like similar or varying degrees or like there are bits that I can identify with and that doesn't happen so much for me. I find. I think what I found quite interesting is that it seems like for some people it's a bit of a, like a journey or whatever they're going through and they're getting closer and then you know they're hoping to at some point reach the point where they're going to have an orgasm but I think it's not for me so linear like I think that like, you know I've, I have managed to have orgasms on my own I have had them with some partners you know for some partners it's taken a matter of months before I felt comfortable sometimes it's someone that I've slept with once and okay. in that moment I have had an orgasm you know I think it's really for some people when I have sex with them penetrative sex works some people it doesn't mm. And I think, you know, even more recently, what I have noticed is like, especially thinking back to the, that clip we heard right at the start with Cecile, yeah. um, like that kind of earth shattering orgasm is mm -hmm. not something that I have felt recently, mm. even though I would definitely describe what, what I have experienced as orgasms. I think there's definitely like different kind of qualitative differences, yeah, in, in feeling between different types of orgasm. Um, and it's really hard to know what's the differences that are you know, what they're being caused by. I think the linearity thing that you mentioned is really interesting because I enjoy sex for reasons that aren't towards a certain point. And so when I stop, it's always just because I kind of get bored or I'm just not interested in that. And so it's like another, it's another way of interacting in, in a process that I think for a lot of people, or at least for the partners that I've had, is quite a linear process. And that can be confusing. Uh, I spoke to a friend of mine who I had, I had mentioned what we were doing the show on and she came out with this amazing statistic, which is people who masturbate on their side, that's 3%, have difficulty learning how to orgasm. And I was just like, whoa. This like lying on your side? Yeah, so okay. that's how I masturbate. Too much information maybe for everyone. But I lie on my side and I masturbate that way. And that's 3% of women. And so that specific demographic apparently have issues coming. Or, like, obstacles. So you were saying, like, yesterday, um, some stats that really surprised me, because um, I'd never heard that before, about yeah. how 3% of women masturbate on their side. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Okay, so the majority of women masturbate on their back. Mm. And they lie on their back and they, like, stimulate the clitoris. No, no, sorry, they, they do that and then they also, you know, thing of themselves the second most common way to masturbate for a woman is lying on your front and doing the same and then there's two other ways which is quite like it's quite unique and a very small percentage of women do it which is lying on your side mm -hmm. and you're kind of squeezing your thighs together and just kind of like weirdly stimulating your clitoris and not really um like working the vagina much at all just like stimulating the muscles around yeah. there yeah. is that what you do i think I mean, so yeah so just for listeners to know, we like we were talking about this in the pub yesterday, but um, I have difficulty coming and or don't and haven't. And so when you said this statistic, I like my like world changed. So I'm really, really happy that you could speak to me on, on the show. Um, yeah. But, when I, I mean, when yeah. I found when I found it out, because I my friend Ben was the one that told me because I think 
he is one of those guys that wants to study everything about women vaginas. Like right. he wants to make he wants to make women come everywhere, and he's done a lot of reading up on this stuff. And when he was telling me about it, he got me to read this book because I was telling him about how I could never come because mm. I haven't I've never come before either except for when I touch myself in that one way. Mm. And apparently, when you start touch when you start masturbating as a, as a young person. And you do it that way. That's just the way you become familiar with, because mm. it's it's what comes naturally to you, and that's just how you do it every time. And unfortunately, though, people who masturbate that way can't come unless they touch themselves. But I'm still not sure when I do it if I'm coming. Like, I it's not like how people come in films, if you know what I mean. Like, it's like I reach a kind of peak and then fall off. Yeah, I'm the same. It's not like it's not like ah, you know what I mean. Like in movies, yeah. people are like, "Oh my god!" Um, and I don't get like that. So I even wonder if that is coming. Like for me, it is, but I, <laughs> I don't know if it's like the tick box, you know, of coming. Yeah. So yeah, it, I, yeah, I feel the same. I've always kind of felt like that because never like sometimes I don't even have to really make a noise when, you know, you touch yourself. And I actually think it's not the same mm-hmm. because. I've actually, I actually have come from a guy without me touching myself. And it was about like when I was 19. Seriously, it was just one time and it was mm. awful because now I can never do it again. Um, and he was poking me and he found my cheek spot and I've never found that before. And he found it and he just kind of gently rubbed it. And what he said was like, it kind of come hither with your fingers. And, um. and, and then I, I like felt the build up. And then it was like, it was incredible, it, but it was definitely not the same as when I touched myself. So. Yeah, so I've had a similar thing with the build-up, but then don't come. But I think oh. I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer to learning how to do that, <laughs> but it hasn't happened yet. So you've never come before from... I don't think so. It's like really unclear for me what is coming and what isn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've tried being more vocal and that does help, but I don't think those are like screamy ones. They're like... <laughs> I don't like it's like I don't know it's hard to say I definitely can't do what I do on my own with other people like I need to be doing that other people can't do that because they won't know yeah like they're not in my head and they don't know where to go yeah yeah so I'm not sure how to explain it and it's like externalizing that is quite tricky yeah yeah that's so it's 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 kind of weird right it is weird, yeah. You know, how everyone else is always going on about how great the sex was they had yesterday. And it's like, for me, it's not about that. It's about, like, communication and building a relationship and all of the, like, <laughs> fun stuff that goes along with that and having a nice time and sort of playing, you know, like you roll about or something. It's not about, like, a momentous moment or anything. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like I'm the same because I don't come from sex as well, ever, mm-hmm. that whenever I have it the most enjoyable time is the first couple of minutes and then it kind of peters off yeah yeah that's so true like yeah I like the kind of um oh we're doing this now oh that's fun I know what yeah you, yeah it's I know like, it's like the passion and then it's like okay well this is just like systematic kind of I know, you know exactly like what you mean and yeah. how how do you think like with your partners have you found like ways around or ways to approach this and discuss it so I think, well, I don't think Sam actually, he knows that I can come in a, if I touch myself. So whenever I'm ready to come, we kind of just, I lie on my side and he, he, we have sex spooning and then, but I'm still, and then I, I'm still touching myself and then I come. So I have to be touching myself when I come. But I feel like sometimes I kind of just fake it because you can't be bothered. 
you know? So easy for girls to just kind of fake it. I've never faked it. Have you never? No, I just tell my partners that I don't come and then it's just like, well, okay. Just like it's don't take it personally. That's just not me. Oh my god, that's so interesting. Oh, I didn't realize that that was um a unique point. I've never come with anyone from just sex and I've never said that to someone before. I've always like when it gets to the point where you know, I should be coming or mm. I, c- I can't be bothered anymore or it's like almost finished for me. Mm. I'm just like I just kind of fake an orgasm. Yeah, maybe I should give that a shot. Does it <laughs> does it feel like nice for you to do that? Um, it just feels like I'm avoiding a conversation. Okay. You know? Mm. Like I could be saying I don't come or I could be saying, How about we just go on the side and then I'll touch myself mm. and your dick can be inside of me while I'm touching myself. I just don't especially if it's someone you don't really know very well. Kind of just wanna be like, Oh wow, that was great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so one of one of the reasons that I want to do this show also was because a listener of the show got in touch and um, and we found that we had this in common. Um, but what's really interesting about um, what she contributed um, today was that we have the same kind of root thing and that we're both unable to orgasm, but we have very different ways of approaching it. Um, so this is what she wrote. I've never been able to orgasm, or at least I think so. The few friends I told either said something like, oh, maybe they're just really weak, or you'd know if you did, or not even when you're doing it yourself. Always with some kind of shock or pity. I guess that's why I stopped talking about it and why it's such a taboo, even though I keep reading it's quite common. Luckily, I don't really mind. I enjoy having sex. It's really pleasurable and fun. On few occasions, it gets so intense, in a good way, and that I start crying. I like to think of it as a mental orgasm. I used to think and sometimes still do that I'm dysfunctional on some level. The weird thing is that I get the closest to orgasm when I'm having sex with my partner. I hardly masturbate because I find it rather boring. I hate when people say it has something to do with trusting the other person or knowing the right techniques because it implies our relationship isn't good enough for me to come. I think it's interesting as well because I think the way that people would phrase it, like I can't have an orgasm Mm. as opposed to like I don't. I don't know, like, it's really like a deficiency of some sort. You know That's what I mean? such That's, a good point. So yeah, because I, I say yeah. I can't. Um, and she says, actually, she said earlier um, I'm uh, that, like, she used to think she was dysfunctional on some level. Whereas, actually, like, I've learned over the years to say, like, you know, and I think she has too. No, that's just me. That's just how I am. Um, so if you want to have sex with me, that's just, like, that's what having sex with me is, is also having sex with, you know, how I have sex. Uh, I think something that we've touched on maybe with, with this last kind of uh, contribution and also things we've said in our interview with Kate is something that's going to come up in, in this thing that I'm about to read, this contribution I'm about to read, which is the idea of, you know, having a partner who maybe feels really insecure when you when it comes up that you haven't had an orgasm or you're not enjoying sex um, and how you can navigate that. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, Kate kind of emphasised it's really important to, and we've all emphasised it's important to have a communication with your partner, but it's really difficult when you feel like it might hurt them. Yeah. So I'm just going to read this out. Sometimes it's been easier for me to orgasm if I've blindfolded the other person, which is bad because clearly I have some sort of issue with people watching me let go. I also hate thinking that someone is trying to make it happen. It feels like a lot of pressure. But sometimes it only takes me 15 seconds by myself with a vibrator. I hate people, especially the person I'm having sex with, assuming that I don't enjoy partner sex because of the orgasm thing. For me at the moment, they are two totally different things. So I think that's kind of a really interesting point there she's given us about, you know, she can she can do it on her own and people, her partner is 
kind of feel maybe insecure or worried about it when she can't do it with them. But I think something that she hits on that's really important here is something that maybe is blocking her or has changed mm. the way that she has orgasms. I think it might be a really important point to address. So she talks about the fact that she's on antidepressants um, and they've changed the amount of contractions she has. So she says, when you orgasm, there's kind of clenching contractions for a bit during and after. But now they've really spaced out to kind of five really light ones instead of 10 intense brain ones. So she says, sometimes I really miss my old orgasms, but it's still worth it to be on meds and want to live. So choosing between life and perfect orgasms is not that bad a choice. So I guess that's also something to really think about. It relates um, back to what Kate was saying about like... The last thing I think that she says, which we've already just said, but I think it's important to re-emphasize, is um, I understand, but I really resent it when the other person has some ego difficulties because of it, because it's so not about them. It's 100% about me and my head, not them not being good enough or whatever. But it's impossible to fully help people not take it personally. People have made the odd comment if I express pleasure like, at least I know I was doing something or making you feel something, or at least I've had some kind of use, which is very painful for me, especially if I love them. I find it totally unfair, actually. I cannot carry the burden of someone else's sexual self-esteem along with my own. It's not workable. So yeah, I think that's a, you know it's an interesting one because I think a lot of kind of solutions that people propose is like you know even even Kate kind of said it or maybe your partner is boring and yeah. I think which you know is possible and you, that may well be why you don't want to have sex with them but I think you know it's also it's really interesting when you have that in your own head or like it's something to do with me and yeah. then someone else makes you kind of feel bad about it and you have to kind of comfort that person yeah. instead of addressing what's going on in your head. Yeah, I've I've never encountered that feeling of burden. Maybe I'm a little bit selfish. <laughs> I'm not really thinking about how the other ones, how the person is deal, dealing with it. It's definitely about communication between partners is something that I have learned in with a lot of difficulty throughout my 20s. That like if you have problems in communication in your relationship and in sex, then it's going to have, it's going to go back in your face in a bad way. <laughs> I think also something that I wanted to address, which I think is something that actually a lot of people have been talking about quite recently, is just that like I quite often cry during or after sex. And that can also quite often happen if, let's say I'm having sex with someone and I'm about to have an orgasm and for whatever reason, you know, they move or whatever it is that stops that, that orgasm from being realized. Mm. Like the kind of, because of the build up, I have this like kind of reflex of crying that which is so once. embarrassing mm. and it's so annoying because especially if that person already feels a bit like oh you know a bit insecure and then you're sat there crying because you haven't had an orgasm it's just like a mess for everyone yeah so what was really really exciting um with our contributions as well was someone who's actually set up a group and has been a bit proactive about it so um she shared with us her feelings around sex but also she gives details at the end of this about what you can do to join this group, join this discussion group, and maybe talk about it some more. Because I know that's what different contributors, and Kate said it in the beginning, that basically talking about this is one of the best things you can do um, to, like, I don't know. I don't want to say feel better because I don't feel bad, but just, like, for me, it's been quite cathartic making this show and finding out that other people are like me. I think, yeah, it's a realisation that other people have the same experience Mm. and not everyone's having loads of orgasms all the time and also that for most people orgasms aren't the be all end all of life and also of your sex life yeah yeah before we have this excerpt let's just have a quick goodbye yeah and we also we must also remind our listeners that we had an interview with fuck zine about sex negativity which i think is quite relevant and also about sexual dysfunction um within sex positive circles um so that's worth checking out and that's also on acast.com forward slash women 
um, yeah, and just to say thanks. Thanks to all our contributors. Thanks, thanks so to much, Kate yeah. and all our anonymous contributors yeah. um, for joining in. And you should follow us at VLW Radio. And also, if you have any contributions to make about this or any other issues, you should also tweet us or message us on Facebook. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I've never come in my life. Initially, I found it difficult, so difficult to tell my lovers, and this seems to be due to the fact that we have a total lack of space in our culture to have healthy discussions about sex, especially about sex that doesn't have, that doesn't have to be orgasm-centric. Eventually, I started to speak about not coming to friends and lovers, who are mostly female, and found that so many other women have similar, if not same, problems. Experienced tend towards three categories. Those who have never come in their lives, those who can only come through masturbation, not with partners, and those who extremely rarely are able to come with partners. A few of us have started a discussion group, as talking about it is so amazing. We've ended up talking about a lot of expectations and executions of the performativity of female sexual pleasure because of, well, patriarchy and how toxic it is, and how much better sleeping with self-identifying women is. Personally, because of not being able to come, I focus on and get pleasure from pleasing my partner. I also am getting into pain and role play because there is so much to explore. However, I find that not coming can create an imbalance within a relationship as you are not able to be as vulnerable with your partner as they are with you. You can give them something they can't give you. This can cause tensions. If you want to get in touch with us, we are at Cunt Cum Collective. That's K-U-N-T-K-U-M-K-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E. So that's three k's instead of c's at gmail.com i don't know why i didn't